If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email me your thoughts, questions, opinions. You know, I'll even accept, uh, even accept your adoration and praise here. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. And, you know, I'm just, as usual, I have a list of things here uh, to talk about. And sometimes I make a game time decision here. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just want to mention this in pa- <laughs> in passing. Um, which state is this? It's Wisconsin, I think. Wisconsin. I saw this in the Epic Times. Do you, so I have a what do I have a eleven year old, a nine year old, and a six year old son, daughter, daughter that live in. Uh, live in this house with us still. We've not uh, released them into the world or kicked them out, although there are certainly days. I'm kidding. Um, but what am I, um, you know, these emojis, these um, that you'll find on your iPhone, or I don't know where they, where all you find them, social media. Well, there's the, the emoji of, um, well, let's just put it this way. One of the Wisconsin recount officials in Milwaukee. It's a county clerk, George Christensen. I haven't checked on the party affiliation, although I'm certainly leaning one direction on this one. So he he thinks that the emoji that is uh, the little smiley face on the human excrement, <laughs> the, uh, the poo, if you will, you know, the little Poo emoji. I don't know how to say this politely or whatever, but they printed those out on wristbands for the the poll workers. <clears throat> so that was your idea. So you know, like if you go to a concert or some some place where you need to have identification as you're walking through, and you can hold it up, and they can say, "Oh yeah, you're you're supposed to be here. You're you're someone who has the credentials." The credentials for the recount. I am not making this up is a wristband with the poo emoji on it. Smiling poo emoji. And this guy, County Clerk George Christensen, says this, according to the Epic Times, I always thought it was chocolate ice cream, personally. Wisconsin Center is our vendor who handles all the logistics. So they are the uh, vendor that created the 
um, the wristbands, the credentials. Think about this. This is a state-sanctioned event, a recount in Wisconsin. This company, Wisconsin Center, says, I got an idea. We're going to give everybody credentials with the poo emoji on it. What? <laughs> so, so they're walking around. That's how you get in, in and out of these places. It's, you have the poo emoji on your wristband. And it's not just one. It's I mean, they're probably, I don't know, three three quarters of an inch, maybe close to an inch, each one, all the way around the, the wristband, the little paper wristbands. He says they probably are just pulling what they have in stock because this is the first opportunity they've had to be open in quite some time through the pandemic. So we got poo wristbands happening, being handed out. And by the way, they also found 386 absentee ballots discovered we had been assured folks we've been assured multiple times that every vote has been counted in all these states every single vote they know it there's no sense in having a recount there's no way they should have an audit we've been told in fact this is the most secure election in in american history this is it by the way if you want to make my spidey sense go off tell me that this is the most secure election we've ever had because that is living in complete and utter denial. And you don't even have to believe anything about Dominion, Smartmatic, any of that stuff yet. Although Sidney Powell, Sidney Powell, according to her friend and fellow attorney, Lynn Wood, uh, who, by the way, I would encourage you if, you, if you are on Twitter and you haven't followed Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood yet, I encourage you to do that. Uh, but Lynn Wood said that um, Sidney Powell is filing suit today in Georgia. So I know that the media narrative is Trump has already put the GSA into motion so that this is, you know, the, the official transition to power. Have you ever heard this, by the way? It's Todd, I haven't heard of it before because normally presidents – uh, concede or people who lose elections concede. We've never been uh, privy to the you know, behind the curtain look at how the government functions. So that's why this came up. No, this came up. This whole GSA thing became a, a, a point of uh, kind of a check mark, so to speak, on on the list of people to prove to you that Trump is basically done and throwing in the towel whenever he tells the GSA to begin letting. Biden sit in on briefings or whatever, I suppose, get furniture for the mythical office of the president-elect. There is no office of the president-elect. There is – again, I've read the paperwork. They – you can refer to someone as the president-elect. It's not an office. There is no – there's no power or authority. There's a transition process whereby you come alongside or you're, you're kind of you know mixed into the briefings and – intelligence and just some of the um, logistical stuff that allows you and your team to get ready for uh, for the next, uh, presumably, your term. But there's no office. It's not an official thing. Although I will tell you, I will tell you, in fact, if you watch on your Facebook video, you'll, you'll see when we go to break here that this now, this studio is now been, I have declared it uh, officially the office of the potential future president-elect. That's where we're broadcasting from. So you can, I encourage you to make up your own office 
as well. That's not an official office. It doesn't mean that there's not a transition and that someone is not president-elect, but they're president-elect once we get through all the shenanigans. Once Trump either concedes or not, there's a practical element in allowing the GSA to do what they need to do, and that is this stuff hasn't been all figured out and ironed out yet. Folks, we have three states that are holding hearings, one beginning today, the state of Pennsylvania, on their on the vote counts. Rudy Giuliani will be testifying or having some floor time there during that um, hearing in the state legislature. They're also doing it, I think it's in Arizona and maybe maybe Michigan. I don't know, but the point is this is not over. And just because Trump gives the GSA authority to allow Biden to do this, I mean, all that means is, I mean, it is the responsible thing to do at some point, right? To uh, That is certainly a possibility that Biden is president-elect, that will, he will be. But there's a lot of stuff that's still hanging in the balance out there. And this Sidney Powell lawsuit is the first um, – I don't, I don't want to say the first because you, you have legitimate – you have two different paths. You have the path that the official Trump team is taking, Rudy Giuliani, Jen, uh, Jenna, uh, Jenna Ellis. They are taking the path that says executive branches in states, either through the bureau, uh, bureaucratic you know, groups of folks that are working in what I'm really coining as the fourth – uh, the fourth branch of government. Some of the, the the bureaucratic state is so big that it's not even in, in many cases really even reporting to or under the authority of the executive of that state. And that includes the United States as well. You heard Sidney Powell make the allegation that the Department of Justice uh, is going rogue and that Bill Barr and Donald Trump are, you know, that there are people out there deep within the Department of Justice doing their own thing, um, just in many ways subverting the authority of those at the top. But this happens, I think, in, in states as well. So you had state bureaucrats or even folks that are part of the executive branch or whomever make – this is what the Trump team is, is, is primarily arguing. They changed the rules for Election Day without going through the proper channels. Turns out, surprisingly to those who don't know anything about uh, how the United States government is supposed to function, whether they be the federal government or state governments – but it turns out laws are made in the legislature. Turns out those videos you saw in elementary school with how legislation is made is act, they're actually right. Right? It's 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 written in one house of Congress. The identical legislation must be voted upon and and passed with the majority in both houses and then go to the executive, the president in the case of federal legislation and get signed into law. And then you've got this supposed third-party arbiter, the Supreme Court or the whatever court that is, that actually interprets that law should there be some dispute as to how a law should be applied in a particular case. And in those instances, the court is supposed to look at the law, and they're supposed to look at the Constitution, and they're supposed to hear arguments and decide based upon how the law was written, what the Constitution says, the intention of the of the founders, the this is where originalism comes in. This is why it matters. The only thing that r really should matter is not political affiliation. If someone is truly 
committed to interpreting and applying law as written and as intended, it shouldn't matter their political affiliation. It matters their judicial philosophy. And that's why when we've got Supreme Court justices who say it's okay to cite foreign law and things like that, we've got a major problem. But anyway, that's how this is supposed to work. But see, the the Trump team says that's not what happened. And it's, as a matter of fact, not what happened. People just arbitrarily extended deadlines, and then courts heard these cases in in many instances, and they said, yeah, yeah, uh, absentee ballots can be received up until whatever date. Never passing the state legislature, not a law, which also brings up the whole COVID stuff. COVID, these COVID rules are the same way. There's not been any laws. Well, I can't say any in this this vast nation, but these are governors acting uh, with authoritarianism, imposing fines, peeping in windows of your Thanksgiving dinner this weekend or tomorrow, starting tomorrow, if if you and your family are doing that, peeping in the window. How many people we got in there? Are they socially distanced? Are they wearing a mask? Did they bring their own food and drink? I mean, what is this, folks? Well, Todd, it's all for the public safety. How are you going to enforce this? And why is it why is it their prerogative? Well, Todd, if there's 10 people at a Thanksgiving, well, so we're okay with nine? Just like we're okay to wear a mask at a restaurant if we're sitting, but if we stand up, all hell is supposed to break loose? COVID knows? COVID knows, right? I just, it's insane some of these things we're subjected to. This is the promises of a bureaucratic state, utopian society. These things just, they don't add up. Well, Todd, we got to do something. Okay. Well, how about we do it through the, through the legislative process instead of just one man or woman's personal desires and thoughts on the matter, you know? This is how we get Gavin Newsom attending dinner parties while telling everyone else in California they can't even go and eat outside anymore. This is how in this state we get Governor Holcomb shutting down the parks. But, oh, yes, he and his family can go and stay at the governor's residence in Brown County while the rest of us are not allowed to see a state park. Who says that? The governor. Well, that's convenient. Anyway, that the avenue the state the, the, the Trump team is taking is the avenue of saying that these elections, you know, they, they've extended deadlines, they've changed the rules on, these states have changed uh, the rules for receiving absentee ballots, they've changed, again, the, the deadlines for receiving ballots, they've re- uh, just all sorts of requirements. They have, in some cases, the, the Trump team says, uh, Democrats were allowed to cure or correct their ballots, in other states or in other parts of that same state, Republicans were not. So this is unequal uh, protection uh, under the law. The, the, the law is not being applied uh, fairly and consistently, especially in, as it pertains to an election. On and on this goes. Those sorts of technicalities, <clears throat> uh, and I don't mean that in some sort of flippant sense, but there's rules to an election. And a lot of these things are written right there in the law in black and white. Ballots must be received by 8 p.m. on Election Day or whatever the time is. Okay, so why are we counting ballots that were received on November 4th then? Why? Well, because somebody said that they should. So that's the the Trump team's official um, argument. That's what it looks like around the country. And then Sidney Powell is looking at releasing the Kraken. (laughs) Sidney Powell is looking at going after systemic, wide-scale voter fraud. She's looking at Dominion, and I've not seen 
um, of course, the lawsuit yet that she's supposedly about to drop in Georgia. But according to people, Jack Flynn tweeted this out uh, late last night. I'm sorry, not not Jack Flynn. I'm looking at the wrong tweet here. Um, an individual that saw the um, heard heard what's going on in Georgia. Brian Cloudus, Sidney Powell retweeted this. He writes, "I'm shook." Tonight, I had dinner with a close friend who was in Georgia with the Trump team observing the counting of ballots. What she observed is so wrong, I can't even comprehend. She is one of the affidavits. Sidney Powell is uh, is now filing tomorrow in guess what state, Georgia. So, and Sidney Powell retweets that. I think we're about to see what Sidney Powell's cracking looks like, but assuming the media lets us do it. You're going to have to follow. That's why you got to follow Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood. That's the only way probably to get some of this information because the media narrative is Trump is basically bowing out gracefully and quietly. He's waving the white flag, and these lawsuits are just kind of uh, you know a last-ditch effort. But in reality, there's real problems here, and we're about to see the level of proof that Sidney Powell and the Trump team can come up with. So that being said, a lot, to, a lot going on here, but got to take a timeout. Now, I want to shift gears next segment. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to shift gears next segment and play a uh, an interview I had with a gentleman named Matt Lamb. He is the assistant editor at the College Fix, and we're going to do this on a regular basis now. But he's you know, like the College Fix basically um, helps journal or, or trains folks to be journalists, which is a shocking concept in 2020, and to basically expose some of the bias that uh, we see on college campuses against against Republicans, conservatives, and, and dare I say, even, even Christians and so forth. So I want to play that interview and share that with you. Some of these things you'll know, some of these things might still be shocking. But this battle that we're fighting, we're dealing with fraud and just bad people at a lot of levels, including in education, including in uh, folks that are in charge of elections and folks that are trying to uh, corrupt the system, people that are fraudulent. Voter fraud is a real thing. So we're fighting this battle on multiple fronts, education, the media, and now apparently how governments are handling elections as, as well. So quick timeout is in order. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. I should tell you that this program is brought to you in part by our friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. For those of you that listen to this program, you know that I'm a summer guy. In fact, I get spring fever New Year's Day. I'm okay between now and the end of the year, there being a little bit of snow. I like snow around Christmas. I do not like snow and cold any other time. I'm a, I'm a wimp. I'm a wimp when it comes to this cold weather. And so I'm reminded, in fact, I looked at the weather for next week, and it's going to get cold here again. This is just the time of the year where that, of course, happens. So your furnace, you may need to think about this as you go into the colder colder months. And with the special financing that economy is offering and some rebates and other things that they can help you with, now may be the perfect time to take a look at that furnace. So 
If you're in the market for that, if you're thinking about that, consider talking with our good friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. Find out more information by going to economyheatingandair.com. That's economyheatingandair.com. Now, I'm going to pause and maybe upset a couple of you out there. But I am going to take a short break. This is going to be a short segment here, and then we'll do the interview with, with Matt Lamb after uh, after this next break because it's uh, about a 13-minute interview, and I don't want to get too far off the off the beaten path. But I did want to mention a couple of things here as we're talking about the battle that we are facing um, in this country when it comes to reclaiming it for constitutional conservative principles and values. According to Dr. Robert Epstein, or Epstein, I'm not sure which way he says it, um, he's a senior research psychologist. He's a senior research uh, psychologist for at the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology in the People's Republic of California. And he is uh, he's done a study, and he says that at least I think he was on Tucker. Car- I'm reading this in the Epic Times, but I think he was on Tucker Carlson recently. Uh, but he says that there is at least a minimum of six million votes that were shifted in 2020 by the way that Google search algorithms um, function and operate. This is what he says. Google search results were strongly biased in favor of liberals and Democrats. Shocking. Just like all of the votes that pop up, the, the all the votes that, uh, that that changed over these days, which, which way did every single vote or every single vote that came in after these deadlines go? Virtually. They all went to Democrats and liberals. He also says that this is not true for Bing and Yahoo. So Bing and Yahoo don't favor Democrats and liberalism, but Google does. So we've got that out there, and he's got a lot of research and data to back that up. Also, listen to this. According to a study, a poll conducted – I'm trying to see. This is in the Epic Times as well. I can't see who conducted the poll here. Um, But large numbers of seven battleground state voters who backed former Vice President Joe Biden would not have voted for him had they known about major stories the national news media ignored, according to a survey made public Tuesday. What does it have to deal with? Well, Hunter Biden's dealings with officials and firms in China, Ukraine, and Russia would have prompted a whopping 9.4% of those surveyed to change their vote. 9.4% 9.4% would have changed their vote had they known about that. So we've got the media, we've got Google, and we've got education. And Matt Lamb's going to tell us about that after the break. So sit tight. We'll play that interview when we return. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. with the College Fix. And for those of you that listen to this program for some time, you'll know that, you know, uh, I've had experiences in college with professors and all sorts of crazy things. Of course, that was 100 years ago. Matt, Matt Lamb, our guest assistant editor at the College Fix, is here to kind of shine some light on what the status of uh, 
education is today and as it pertains to um, the things that students are being taught and just some of the problems there. And so it's my pleasure to welcome Matt Lamb to the program. Matt, how are you today, sir? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me. What is my pleasure. And, you know, my college stories go back 100 years ago. So you're here every single day. You're uh, you see some of the crazy stuff. You report on this. Kind of explain quickly. Number one, what does the college fix do? And then we'll talk a little bit about, I guess, some of the things that uh, that you're seeing in the state of higher education in America today. Sure. Um, so, College Fix, and certainly I'd encourage everyone to check us out at collegefix.com. Sign up for our email list. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so, we are uh, a, a right leaning news organization. Um, and our main mission is to train uh, basically the next generation of reporters. So we have a team of um, editors who have journalistic experience, and then we have uh, student reporters that go to colleges across the country that we train in um, investigation, public records requests, basically all, all of the essential parts of uh, of journalism. And uh, to clarify, when I say we lean right, what I mean is it's it's certainly in the issues we we take on, the issues we cover. Um, I think we're more likely, and we'll, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, to cover aspects of um, maybe coronavirus or diversity or racial issues on campus that other news organizations won't cover. But we do train students to, you know, reach out for comment, try to get the whole story, um, you know, link back to legitimate sources. So we are certainly a, a, a very legitimate um, and professional news organization. Well, this is something you and I have, have discussed. This is near and dear to my heart. As I've said before, there's some things that I experienced in college uh, a long time ago, and you've experienced them uh, recently. I, I had a professor that wouldn't grade my paper in Cal opinion paper, by the way. I cited the Bible. He told me I couldn't do that. I had a professor say that Christianity was a good idea until it got all effed up. He said that in front of the whole class. I mean, I got several several stories, and then it was me oftentimes versus the class when I uh, did a semester exchange program at American University. I guess paint the picture of what it's like on college campuses around this country for um, – conservatives or you know people who are, are Christians traditional uh, values folks what's what's life like what are they subjected to on college campuses uh, today sure um, so for one we know there's plenty of stories that we've covered about conservative speakers are brought in and and they're shouted down or they're declared a security threat lately it hasn't been that much an issue just because you can't really do that many events on campus. Um, but, but that's one issue. Um, really the big issue that I think a lot of students are going to face now is the way that universities are, um, because of different things, including um, the, you know, the horrific death of, of George Floyd in, in May, universities are all kind of doing this thing where they're trying to almost like rush to find examples of racism um, in their history. And what that means is that a lot of academic departments seem to be focusing on how can we, uh, you know, show that we're not racist. And a lot of the stories we cover, it's very tenuous, It's right? So if a university is 200 years old, the probability that they had someone teach there that was racist is, you know, 150 years ago is pretty high. Um, we just had a story, uh, I believe it was yesterday, about 
the University of Minnesota's forestry, I think it was the University of Minnesota, the forestry department at a university was accused of being too white. I saw this. It's like, what does that do? You know, what does that do for racial justice? And there are very serious issues of race and policing that need to be discussed, but, you know, you have to wonder, like, what does that actually do to to help people? What does that do to advance, um, you know, the issue of justice? You know that you bring up racism on race and racism on college campus. That you know, race has always been an issue my my entire entire life. And and you know, there's there's multiple ways of looking at this. Of course, there's the issue of racism itself. Of course, there's racism that exists. No one's denying that. Then that leads into the discussions of systemic racism. Um, and but now we've gotten to that point where. I think maybe of all the issues, and I defer to you, but I think the issue of race may be the single greatest uh, has changed more than any of the other issues on college campuses than when I was a student uh, at Butler University, say, 20 years ago. I feel like this may be the issue that's changed the most. I mean, there's crazy stuff happening, people apologizing you know, for, for being white, having white guilt. Uh, Student groups that are literally, you know, or students that are requesting black-only spaces, all this kind of stuff. Maybe talk about some of that climate and some of the things that you've seen on or reported on regarding race on campuses. Sure. Um, so one thing we we saw is that <clears throat> there's certainly being a message sent. I'm not gonna say at every university, but it seems to be at a lot of universities of there is one correct way to think about race and to talk about certain racial topics. Um, and if you don't talk that way, uh, you're, you know, you're going to be ostracized. So, for example, um, the Arizona State University, they had hired um, this woman, uh, uh, Sonia Forte Duran, I think her name was. And she, you know, in June, she tweeted all the right things about Black Lives Matter and we need to talk about race. And then she tweeted something along the lines of, you know, our hearts go out to all the families who have suffered from racism, and we have to support the good police officers, coming along those lines. Mm -hmm. And that was one reason that was used to basically force her out of, she was going to become the new dean of the communication school. Incredible. Force her out, because she just said, hey, there are good police officers. And this was part of her overall comment saying, like, yep, I agree, we need to talk about these issues. Yes, I agree, there's issues that need to be addressed. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing, which I think you mentioned about um, black-only spaces, uh, I've now seen this at uh, Marquette University, as well as my own alma mater, uh, Loyola University in Chicago, that they are pushing, and the university seems to be accepting, um, you know, black-only living learning communities, they're called, or learning communities. And these traditionally have been, um, maybe you're very interested in, in environmental issues. So you're in a residence hall, but you're in like a learning community where you discuss topics about the environment. Maybe you do service projects, you read the same book or something. But they've been pushing for these black-only living learning communities, which obviously is just segregation by a different name. Um, you know, black-only is segregation. Um, and so, and so that's one thing. The other issue. Um, is with these coronavirus restrictions, we've seen schools uh, tell all groups, for example, they'll say, um, you know, no groups of over 10, no rallies on campus. 
But then when Black Lives Matter wants to have a, right. uh, a rally, which, by the way, they're right. Mm-hmm. They should be able to ha- – they have their free speech rights, too, no matter what I think about their message. Mm-hmm. Um, they're given permission, but then Turning Point USA or Young Americans for Liberty isn't allowed to have, like, a 20-person club meeting. Yeah, it's 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 truly it's truly insane. So I want to pause. Now this is something you and I, uh, you're I want to have you come on this program on a regular basis to kind of update um, sure. update our listeners as to what's going on on college campuses. This is important. I mean, in order for us to persuade for conservatism, we we have to realize um, what we're up against, what folks are being taught, and it's astonishing sometimes. So I want to pause here in the final minute or so and ask you to maybe tell. Uh, tell our listeners the role that you play in you you mentioned about you know teaching real journalism but just just give us a snapshot of the role that you're playing in the fight that you're fighting on college campuses absolutely so i train my reporters to always be skeptical and that the role of a journalist is to hold people accountable so for example um we've run a number of articles about the uh, the tilt in political donations at um, faculty in a, in a number of states, primarily swing states to a presidential election, and how an overwhelming amount go to Democrats and, and Democrat candidates. Um, when, uh, for example, the University of Illinois released a climate action plan and all of the programs they were going to have and all the new projects, you know, we train reporters to go ahead and ask them, how much are you going to spend on this? And you even admitted, for example, that these are going to be hard to implement. Um, So how are you going to do that? So we'll cover um, issues like political donations, uh, climate plans, um, anti-racism. We're certainly big supporters of free speech and open government. So we even covered the Rutgers Teachers Union, the AAUP, sued Rutgers to get information about its spending. And the AAUP is certainly no fan of the college fix. Um, but, hey, we support open government. We support knowing where taxpayer dollars are going, knowing how stu- um, our universities spend money. So, you know, we'll cover every topic like that. And it's really just we want to dig deeper than maybe the student paper will cover or maybe like a local paper will cover. So we're going to maybe ask questions like how much is this going to cost? What are the metrics for this new program? Um, if a school launches an anti-racism institute, well, how are you spending that money, and, and how are you going to measure the success? Or is it just kind of a PR stunt because that's, that's the fashionable thing to do now is to have, you know, anti-racism research, for example? You know, I have you talking there. One, la- one last question, I, I promise you. What, so as I'm listening to you say that, and I'm thinking, you know, we have listeners, some who may be students, some who may have children who are students in college or grandchildren who are students in college, I mean, what what would you tell folks, especially those who are not the student, the parent or the grandparent? What sure. I guess what what would you tell them is at stake? What would you tell them that they could do? Maybe speak a little bit to that really quickly, and we'll have to wrap up after that. For sure. Well, I mean, we love to get news tips. Um, so you know, our all of our contact information is online. You can message us through Twitter and Facebook as well. So certainly, any stories you see, please send our way, um, and, and we're happy to to look into it. Um, I mean, the main thing they can do is as parents, you know, as grandparents, because their kids are going to the school, their grandkids are going to school, their graduates of these schools is, you know, ask questions, um, especially if it's a public university. You know, if you are a resident of a, of a state, your public university is using your money, also using federal taxpayer dollars. Um, so, so ask questions. 
Um, when the university says, we're going to do this, you know, ask them, have you held, have you, have you thought about another way to do it? Um, you know, write letters to the editor, to the campus paper or your local paper. Um, you know, hold, hold, hold people accountable. Public, public and private universities should really be viewed as, in the same way we view the government. If CORs say they're going to do something, ask them why or ask them how or challenge them if you disagree with it. And I really think making your voice heard um, is really great. I know a lot of alumni have organized their own alumni group that are maybe more right-leaning or just more skeptical, and, and that's certainly a, a great way to go, too, to um, have your voice heard. Absolutely. And certainly encourage your students to get involved with us by giving us stories or, or writing for us. That's right. Light exposes a lot of this nonsense, and, and the folks that are operating in the darkness here with some of this crazy stuff, light is a major uh, a major cure to this and engagement. You, I think you hit it right on the head. And a lot of this comes down to engagement, engagement, engagement. We just can't put things on autopilot and expect things to be normal because we have folks that are hell bent, Matt, on trying to change this nation fundamentally at all levels, whether it be education in our government, what have you. So I appreciate what you do. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back. Uh, have you back here soon. This is Matt Lamb. Assistant Editor of the College Fix. Matt, uh, thanks so much for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me. Welcome back, folks. This is time of Thanksgiving. This is the time of Thanksgiving. I just have a couple things to say about this. First of all, I hope you have a happy and safe Thanksgiving holiday. Um, this this is my favorite holiday, I'll be honest with you. To me, it's the one that's, uh, you know, it's, it's about family. Usually, who knows what it's about for folks this year with all the rules. And I'm not, look, I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful or anything. I'm, I'm just saying that the, the holiday itself, it's, it's normally about family. It's about some great food. It's about a great historical moment in the history of this nation. And I hope that you um, are able to pass along the gratitude to your children and grandchildren, the, the gratitude to Almighty God for allowing us to be a part of this, the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And why is it the greatest nation on the face of the earth? It's not, again, because of our genetics, our DNA. It's not because we're special and everybody else is not it is because the ideas that we have embraced and founded this nation upon freedom, liberty, capitalism, these ideas that let people pursue their own dreams, passions, desires to succeed and to fail, that is what I am thankful for. I'm also thankful for you, our advertisers, our stations. I, I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity each and every day. So, have a happy Thanksgiving holiday. Quick timeout is in order. Come back and wrap up. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Yes, folks, I believe every word of that. I believe that we do live in the greatest nation on this planet. I believe that we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be concerned about. In fact, I would 
say to my Christian brothers and sisters out there, if you haven't already uh, begun praying for your nation, praying for this situation with recounts and whatever else we're dealing with here, lying and deceit, I pray, I, I hope that you, that we all join in praying for truth and justice. I pray that we return this nation to her fundamental foundational roots. So there's a lot to be concerned with in Christians. In fact, I've thought about I thought about even doing a prayer call uh, somewhere, I don't know, and inviting people to join us. Let me know if you're interested in doing that. I, I don't know. There's several things that I've thought about doing, but regardless, we do. We still live in the greatest nation on earth, and I, I get sometimes a little bit of uh, pushback. In fact, I'm reminded of a, of a review I got on our podcast um, online, iTunes. This was written by a liberal, and he <laughs> He wrote something to the effect of, if you are a liberal, uh, you will roll your eyes a lot. I'm sure liberals will roll their eyes when I talk about this being the greatest nation on earth, but it is. And again, it's not because of who we are. In the, I mean, there's a part of that. I mean, people had to fight to make it happen. And those people have, have uh, you know, dotted the landscape of American history for a long, long time. But this is the greatest nation on earth. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you all. Thank you so much. SDG, take care.